0: Hi, I'm Chris Farrell, an economics and finance author and journalist.
1: And I'm Twyla Dang. I'm an entrepreneur and a podcaster.
0: The point of this podcast is simple. There's a misconception about people with low and unstable incomes. We think they don't know how to manage money.
1: But they do. People and families with low and unstable incomes are often creative and collaborative with their finances.
0: We'll show you that community is the best investment a person can make. This is Small Change. Money stories from the neighborhood.
2: The belief in community, whole communities doing well first before individual wealth, I think is really important, right? And doesn't exist in some of the ways in which we think about wealth in this country, which is very much measured by uh, individuals.
0: This is Beau. Welcome back to her story. So many people with low and unstable incomes, they look to start a business. But their drive to create a business isn't always rooted in the boy, the typical American story, the lone entrepreneur coming up with this great idea and succeeding against the odds.
1: That's true. Um, the desire to start a business is often rooted in community. Um, it's a way to put food on the table and pay the bills. Yeah.
0: You need money to start a business. It's really basic. Money is a tool. It's a powerful tool. But money is far from the most important ingredient. Opening a business, it takes an idea, a passion, and as we'll find out, community.
1: Our first interview for this podcast began in a backyard with proper social distancing with a woman named Sabrina.
3: My name is Sabrina Jones, and my company is Body Love Products.
1: So Sabrina's path to entrepreneurship was motivated by a hobby she was passionate about. But she also had a desire to shift from a less stressful career.
0: So when did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was around, um that 2014 2015ish time when i was kind of playing around with aromatherapy um i had a lot of friends that would reach out and say hey can you uh you know make me some shea butter or you know they would invite me to events and say i really think that you know folks here would really enjoy your product and i'm like oh i don't know if i'm ready for that you know like i use it my family uses it we're like the test the human testers but i'm not sure yet and so when I kept getting that nudge and that push and that opportunity, I just kind of said to my husband, I said, I think this is it. You know, I've worked in child welfare for over 20 years, which has been a lot of stress, it creates a lot of post-secondary trauma, part of why I wanted to be able to play around and make products to, to deal with issues of stress. So I asked myself, do I want to be in this, this field for another 20 years or do I want to work for myself? And if I'm having to work... I think that I would want to do it for myself and my, fa- my
1: family. Sabrina's goal with Body Love Products is to take care of her family. And to accomplish that, she followed the classic small business playbook.
0: Which is, you draw on your own experience to create a product that solves a problem. So how did you come up with the idea that this is the business you wanted to start?
3: It really came into fruition because I was pregnant. I was um, pregnant with my second child and I was dealing with a lot of health issues and when you're pregnant you're not really able to go and grab things over the counter and so um, I wanted to make sure that I was being healthy I was being safe and so I started researching about essential oils and what they could do because I'm like they've been around for centuries hey, they they must work. And so I just started playing around with them, and I discovered that they did work. And so I figured there probably are other individuals that are in the same boat, whether they're pregnant or not, or they're wanting something safe to kind of help relieve certain issues. And so that's what brought Body Love Products
0: to be. Sabrina understood that she was taking a risk, but like any small business owner, she had a plan in place to move forward, all the while recognizing that a successful business owner should have options just in case. You're something of a risk taker, though. I mean, you're, you're starting your own business. So you do have this, you're trying to build wealth.
3: Generational wealth. Trying, reading, having the examples from my family to know that it can be done. Um, and just trying to maneuver the system to figure out how to do it. I have a little bit of a safety net because I have a husband who works. So me taking this venture, this this step out to become an entrepreneur, I have my husband. So, you know, making that step to where he, you know, covers us, you know, um, with medical insurance. So that's a plus because that was one thing I was concerned about. What do we do for insurance? We have kids, you know, there's dental, there's medical, all of those pieces. So that's been a safety net for me to be able to kind of step out and and, and do that. Part of being the risk taker is just knowing what the risks are and, if, and, and being okay with if plan A doesn't happen, do I have a plan B? And I'm the type of person... If you are familiar with like strength finders, you know I have you know ideation, and I'm you know in there with um, <laughs> being idealistic, and but I'm also a planner, and so if I I always have a plan A to a plan B to a plan C, so that if it doesn't work, I can hopefully quickly bounce back into something else. That's kind, that's kind of helped me in a lot of my decision making with my business, with my personal life, with everything. Having a plan is critical
1: with anything you want to accomplish. So is the ability to adapt. This is Matt.
4: Matthew Grasky and Cadence Records and Coffee Shop in St. Paul, Minnesota.
1: We spoke to Matt in his coffee shop on Payne Avenue.
0: So Payne Avenue is an historic community on the east side of St. Paul. The neighborhood is rebuilding after falling on hard times. Matt chose to build his small business in this area, which is not far from where he grew up.
1: His path to entrepreneurship didn't start with coffee.
4: I kind of always dreamed I, I wanted to be a musician initially straight out of high school and then getting further into that world decided that, hey, I, I need a plan B. Music and arts is is really hard. So I went to St. Paul College for Culinary Arts and kicked around in a, a trillion different kitchen, restaurant, cafe, large, small catering operations, hotels, but kind of myself and, and uh the high school bandmates uh, had this dream um of starting something in our own community that that involved a a music event space for small DIY all ages music where definitely was a void in St. Paul of like fun conversation, used physical media related, and then nowhere well to get a tasty cup of coffee in the city of St. Paul, so it kind of it honed itself out of that, I guess. It's definitely somewhere between retail and food service and entertainment. Matt and his friends
0: had no money, but they did have this dream, and a dream stays a dream until you find a way to fund it.
4: Long story short, initially, three different banks absolutely laughed us out of their uh, lobbies saying, you have no collateral And on Payne Avenue, that will never fly. And they didn't give us funds. So we synced up with NDC, Neighborhood Development Center. Their kind of crown crown jewel is they helped launch the Midtown Global Market. Many different entrepreneurs coming together, incredibly diverse, exciting, bougie, all these things. But they backed our business to get us off the ground.
0: There are these parallels between Matt and Sabrina's story. They both drew on their experience to start a business. They had a plan. They got some money.
1: But what really struck us about Matt's story is when he started to talk about community engagement.
4: Community small business needs to be face-to-face and personal. And to some extent, I feel like the financial aspect is very important, but but you cannot forget, especially with ours, an arts-related hybrid business, you, you have to create opportunities for the Community, and even if those don't don't cause financial gain for the business personally, it's still important to commerce and to the lifeblood of a neighborhood and things like that. I think there's so much to be learned from from the spirit of of finding ways to do it on your own and not letting the money be at the highest importance in general.
0: We were intrigued. We asked him to explain further.
1: Talk to me a little bit about this idea of um, when you say that, you know, as a small business, that the business has to be done face-to-face and that there isn't always a financial backing on the back end. I think that's an unusual concept for, you know, a business. I think most people, they get into business only ever focus in on how it's profitable, how how profitability works. Yep. Um, Like, talk to me about that spirit of, Is that a spirit that you just were able to cultivate yourself? Is it because you moved into this community that this community helped? Is is there a spirit of that within this community? Or do you just feel personally like this is the thing that you need to do to help
4: foster that? It's both. If people want to get dressed, get in their car, walk, bicycle, whatever, and come out into a public business, they need, want, and deserve something more than a product they could sit in their robe in front of their computer and get mailed to them conveniently at home. It has to be about community. It has to be about networking. People, definitely larger corporations can find products and sell them cheaper than I can. There has to be face-to-face interaction. You have to build as a community, no doubt, or else I don't think you can thrive and survive as a business. And more importantly, it's better and you're stronger as a business when you tether in and get involved with your community. I never would ever want to be a, a faceless, boring type of, of business operation that was unmemorable, so I think it's, it's so important to engage with people.
1: See, that's good for the community, and that's also good for business. We'll be back with more Small Change.
0: Small Change is supported by Thrivent through generous support from the Thrivent Foundation. Thrivent is driven by a higher purpose to help people achieve financial clarity and to make the most of all they've been given. Small Change is also supported in part by the McKnight Foundation, which works to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Learn more at McKnight.org. Welcome back to Small Change. Remember that voice you heard at the top of the episode? The belief in
2: community, whole communities doing well first before individual wealth, I think is really important, right? And doesn't exist in some of the ways in which we think about wealth in this country, which is very much measured by uh, individuals. This is Bo Tawarabe. We met Bo in her office overlooking a
1: community garden in Frogtown, a neighborhood that's central to the Hmong community in St. Paul.
0: And her work is deeply rooted in working with communities where business ownership is often approached as a survival mechanism.
2: The Coalition of Asian American Leaders is a social justice network that brings together leaders from different sectors, uh, generations, and ethnic groups together to both to get to learn about and know about each other, as well as uh, we support uh, building uh, social justice leaders in the communities because we believe that social justice is a lifelong journey and you are committed to it. And so we spend a lot of time supporting leaders, making sure that they are they have the competencies, but also that they are sustained uh, in their social justice movement work. And then we work on priority issues that matter to the community. Bo's belief about the importance of community isn't just driven by her work. It reflects the lessons she learned from her own family. So I think the foundations that my parents gave me was that basic understanding. What it didn't prepare me to understand was really how wealth is built, right? And things like that. So, and then when I started to learn about financial literacy that it was very much from a very personal perspective, right? Like it was all about me. It was like, how much can you save? How much um, assets do you have? It was very much about me. And that was so contradictory to how I had grown up, that I found it some in some ways challenging, right? Because it didn't acknowledge that, for example, when I was finally an adult, uh, and was in a place where I could control uh, support my parents, it didn't understand that I was actually using some of my earnings to now support my parents, right? That that still continued. Or now that I was had built a certain credit score that all of my relatives would see that as an asset that was available to the whole family, right? <laughs> So an uncle could say, I need to buy a car, could Bo Bo buy it for me, right? And not that they wouldn't pay me back, but the expectation is if you have something like a good credit score, it could be shared with the whole family. And by whole family, I don't mean just my immediate family. I mean my extended family.
0: When we heard her say this, okay, my mind was blown. I had to buy cars for my relatives. Who's going to use my credit score?
1: We had to know how this works, so we asked.
0: So, mm-hmm. it's all like you're talking about community wealth mm-hmm. as opposed to individual wealth, right? So, how, very much so. How does that work? Yeah. Give us some examples of how that works. Yes, because you'd you mentioned with the car, your your credit score is mm-hmm. is a value. Mm-hmm. Um, give us some other examples,
2: right? Well. When my uncle wanted to start a business, he called all the families and said, I'd like to start a grocery store, and I need to borrow $10,000 from you if you have it. And there was no, like, let's see your application. <laughs> you know, let's see if you're good for this money. Uh, they just knew that... um He wanted to do it, and so everybody pitched in what they could, and he started his grocery store, right? And he's doing really great now. But I think that kind of trust in people but also that it comes from that kind of uh, caretaking and the the belief in community, uh, whole communities doing well first before individual wealth, I think is really important, right? And doesn't exist in some of the ways in which we think about wealth in this country, which is very much measured by uh, individuals. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So you talked about
1: when you're like, mm-hmm. uh, like, how your family would gather together. Your yeah. uncle picks up the phone and he calls everybody and says, I would right. like to open a store. Yeah. There's no, like, this is what we're going to talk about at the next monthly meeting. There's no <laughs> annual session. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, he picks up the phone and he calls everybody and says, Hey, I had this idea. Right. I mean, I, I, four years ago I started a business and I mm-hmm. called my family and said, I have, I have an idea. <laughs> and they all universally said two things. I'm um, sure about that. <laughs> and, And good luck because it wasn't, they weren't Mm -hmm. thinking to do that. Mm -hmm. There's already this wonderful sort of um, Mm -hmm. generosity of community spirit Mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. How do you keep, how do you have, how do you connect the idea of being able to just give him the money and letting him go and not feeling like you have ownership? Like I would probably be in there every day. Like how's our store doing? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Because I think that the value of of everybody just giving my uncle the money was that they they loved him and they believed in him. They didn't know anything about a grocery store. So there's no advice that they can give him, right? But what they could give him was the money that he needed. And I think that people know that there's a chance they may never get that money back. And so... I think there wasn't an expectation of outcome. It was more like this is the person this is our person and that's what he needed.
0: They care about him. When he does well, they do well. Not just financially, but emotionally. Emotional investment becomes an anchor.
1: Yeah. And that's what Matt believes. We left his coffee shop understanding that it all comes back to the community that he's grown to care about.
4: I want my staff to have jobs, I like them. They've worked hard, being great advocates for the business we've started, and I want to continue to see them grow into larger roles in our business and things like that. And I want that to continue. And two, like the there'll be a giant void on on um, Payne Avenue without music and good coffee, and that sounds absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, including for myself to drink tasty drinks and then two we kind of thought of th- this business is definitely a conduit for creativity in general and like hell no the world would would really miss out on who knows what like creative cool networking thing might come next out of our weird spot here um, I don't want to miss out on, on any of those opportunities either be it yeah yeah. Be it like the current governor of of Minnesota's campaign office was Kitty Corner from us across the street, and like their their Wi Fi must have been spotty at times. So like they'd come down all frustrated and and like, can I can I use your room? Our Wi Fi is being bad. Like I I want to see those memories. The one time the mayor of Saint Paul came in here, I I don't exactly know why, but um, what great timing, Matt that. Nobody was in the store. It was a weekday morning um, and nobody's in the store. So I ran downstairs to get further paper products to stock. And I come back up here and the mayor of St. Paul sitting in a table with like n- unattended and I wasn't here. Like, I, I know that was stupid and just serendipitous, crappy timing for me, but like, I want to be around for those memories. That excites me. I want to see further stuff. We're trying to advocate for a uh, you know, other further growth in the neighborhood and, and be a spot that people can have shows and, you know, work towards maybe other friends want to start businesses around here in the future, want to be part of that.
1: What Matt's doing is more than just investing in the community. In a way, he's paying it forward, paying back the community that has invested in him.
0: I like that. I mean, this idea of paying it forward. I think it was also reflected in Bo's story as well. Remember her uncle and that grocery store?
2: And now that he is doing well, he's so generous, right? Because everybody was generous to him. So he's the one where we have a family reunion. He supplies most of the meat. And this is not a small family reunion. We do it for four days with 150 people. And you got to feed 150 people for four days, (laughs) you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's not, there's nothing that I could have given that now he isn't giving back.
1: Paying it forward extends to taking responsibility for situations when they don't go as
2: planned. In one incident my mother asked me to buy four airplane tickets for one of our aunts who I'd never met. But I trust my mother when she says, this is your aunt, and they need to get to a funeral in Fresno, and they need four airplane, you know, tickets, and you got to buy it. And I don't question it. I say, okay, just give me their names. And I purchase all four tickets. And you know, it's like $1,500. And I don't know if they're going to pay me back, right? And months go by and they don't pay me back. <laughs> and so I call my mother and I said, "Are are these is this aunt ever going to pay me my money back, right? So she, she calls and somebody pays back. I don't know who, but I know from my mother that it was not the aunt, right? But there is this uh, collective responsibility, I think, that people feel because you have real relationships that you know you're going to depend on for a long time.
0: Real relationships built over time. The foundation for starting any business is really about connections, not who you know or what you can get from them. Sabrina, Matt, and Beau understood that the success they achieved was tied directly to the care they showed to others.
1: It was, and they understood that the connections created community wealth. And now we understand that community wealth is more than just money. It's taking responsibility by investing time in people and neighborhoods. Matt summed it up best
4: trying to advocate towards getting the the community around here the, the all the rec centers are closed um we're trying to advocate for a skate park put in on Payne avenue like i want to be part of all these things and and the future and the people of tomorrow i want to be there for it you want so to build the community primarily that like yeah it's community yeah yeah
1: One small change you can make towards entrepreneurship is to create a plan. A plan isn't just a wish to start something someday. It's creating the steps to take an idea out of your head and building it in the real world. Don't know where to start? Try contacting the Small Business Administration or your local chamber of commerce. They will have information to get you started. And you can also look into nonprofit organizations that support individuals starting a business for the first time. And remember, it never hurts to have a plan B.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Small change would not have been possible without the work of many people, including Executive
1: Producer Stephanie Curtis, Producers Chris Farrell, Twila Dang, and Veronica Rodriguez, Editor Brittany Arneson, Original Music by Dexter Wolf.
0: You can find other Small Change episodes and find resources for more information about money by going to our website, smallchangestories.org follow us on Facebook, Twitter,
1: Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest.
0: A special thank you to the Thriven Foundation and the McKnight Foundation for their generous support.